Hello and good evening, and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and Their Multicultural Mess. Thank you very much for joining me again today, um, and welcome aboard. Um, thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. Hello to all my listeners all over the world. Um, we are still in spring, and it's a beautiful, beautiful day and a time of the year in, in this part of the world. And I hope it's it's lovely for you, too. In India, there is a heat wave. Uh, so to my fellow Indians, please stay safe, stay indoors, or, you know, um, don't go out in the heat of the sun. Um, try all your best to... Um, to cut down to to find some shade uh, find some um uh you know a cool place i know it's difficult but look um i'm with you i'm i'm listening to to everything that's going on and and i'm 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 at your side and i'm i'm praying that this goes as soon as possible okay um and and i and i'm thinking of you and sending you all my positive energy possible well um for now, uh, we're going to continue with our episode, our podcast. Today, we're going to continue with a little bit of Dalit and, and why it's called untouchable, why this untouchability is now a stigma on the Indian subcontinent, which has nothing to do with um, Vedic Dharma. So we talked about the Dalit, uh, where it started from, what the concept is. It's very Semitic. It's it's a, it's a um, Hebrew word, also found in Phoenician. Um, Aramaic, Syriac, and um, and and Arabic um, versions of it, um, and how um, it's it has then uh, overflowed into the Indian subcontinent uh, because many many people have millions of people have fled this region due to the many pandemics and the many wars and the genocide that's happened along the Levant, which still goes on till today and the Arabian world. So the easiest place and the most peaceful place was the Indian subcontinent or Baharta as it was known then. Uh, this would have gone on for thousands and thousands of years, even before the Abrahamic subcontinent, Abrahamic uh, fates came into being. Um, but everyone accuses the Indians and Hindus of of Dalit. And very easy to point the finger at us. Very, very easy. But the three fingers pointing back at them, no one will look at it. And because of the stigma and the shame and the stereotype that has been put on the Indian subcontinent, um, we have uh, never discussed it, never talked about it. There, there are... Um, there are uh, reservations for Dalit caste and Dalit uh, groups in, in the Indian by the Indian government, but it's absolutely degrading because you have to tackle a concept with knowledge, not with reservations. You have to understand where it started, how it started, and no one has ever, ever, ever uh, tackled the subject, uh, taking it on very well and saying, "Oh, Hindu Dalit," but there's no Hindu Dalit. It's a, it's a, it's a falsehood. And a lot of these proselytization, proselytizing groups, especially from Abrahamic groups and uh, um, Abraham and um, 
and Islam, they come and try to convert you and using this as a tool, as a carrot stick. Oh, you see Hindu Dalits, you'll never have that in Christianity. Christianity, we're all the same. Islam, we're all the same. What love of God, love of this. And they very conveniently milk the subject. Um, it is really insulting, degrading. So it is time now to tackle the subject and say, no, your Abrahamic groups are not going to absolutely... Um, um, proselytize using this as a carrot stick. It is your your bags of of uh, leftover um, crap from the bottom of the toilet bowl, precisely, and you're going to take it back to where you came from. Um, and so, to top the cake and the icing on the cake, we have many agencies in the world who work independently or con or collectively to supposedly alleviate the burden of these Dalits uh, and caste. Okay, that's what they think they do. Some are genuine and some are not. And some are there to make a quick buck. Um, many researchers have done work studying the mentality and history of these castes, which don't go back more than 400 years, 500 years, but apparently they're going to study it because it's a, it's a Hindu concept and it's the duty of the Abrahamic world to cleanse this planet of, of all wrongdoing and alleviate our, our wounds and our problems. And you just want to, like, you know, get lost, so to speak. But anyway, um, while doing research on caste in India, Okay, and all over the world, I came across a website. I don't know who these people are, but I just found it on the public domain. Dalit Freedom Network of Canada. And I almost, you know, fell off my chair. I'm like, what the hell? Who are these people? And Dalit Freedom Network of India? And what has it got to do with, with, with Canada? And why are they so bothered about India? Yeah, well, this is just a front for other organizations to facilitize. Okay, that's what I think. Um, they are in BC, and um, it it is it is insulting to say the least. But let me just go through it with you. I have never seen them or worked with them in person. However, understanding their philosophies was bad enough for me. Okay, their basic aim of the network is to collect donations to pay for education and facilitate Hindu. Dalits in India, all the way from Canada. There are many people in Canada having problems. Uh, there are many, um, um, you know, native Indians who have been abused, uh, living in poverty, but no one wants to take care of them. We have, you know, Anglo, uh, in Anglo Canadians also living in poverty. Plenty of poverty in Canada. We show a nice face, but in reality, there is there are problems, especially during COVID, when many people took their lives. Uh, you know, it, it was. It was a ter terrible time, but these people are Dalit Freedom Network of Canada. So I laughed and I to begin with, and then I said, well, educate yourself, fellas. G yeah, educate yourself about Dalits and then go from there. So this is what I call a Canadian multicultural scam, complete and utter scam. Okay, first of all, they would be better off if they educated themselves and understood what the concept of Hind was, Hind and Hindu. Okay, they also would be better off understanding that there's no such thing as Hinduism. Then they should understand what is Dharma. 
Okay, uh, they'd be better off understanding where the caste system came from and why. What is the ideology behind the caste system, and the ideology between the Islamic and Christian invaders? who came with this concept of supremacy and submission to theological authority in the country. However, they talk of neither. They only want to change Hindus. You know? they, use, uh, they use the Canadian Dalit network as a tool to proselytize, the same tool that they used to convert Hindus to Christianity for, for the last 1300 years. Okay? Um, whether Islamic or, or Christian, Christianity, which says, thou shalt not lie. Something which they conveniently choose to omit from their discourse. A discourse from which they choose to omit a section of violence on the native Hindu population. The violence for which they never apologized. A violence which Christianity is ashamed of dealing with, as the Ten Commandments say very clear, thou shalt not kill. A violence which still continues in our homes today in the form of child abuse um, to force the descendants of those who were forced into conversion centuries ago to continue the colonial empire of Christianity and even Islam okay, to feed its pedophile feudal lords who run its regime. Okay, So this is Christianity, but there's also a lot of Islam in this doing exactly the same thing. Um, these Abrahamic invaders had no problem with Hind and her rich heritage and knowledge when they came to loot uh, and steal her wealth, to translate her ancient scriptures for their own benefit. Today, when the money is gone, they lie and call Hindustan poor, backward, fascist, while degrading their caste and Dalit vocabulary to now westernized Indian shores. I don't think so. This having been said, when the money which they collect in Canada and Western countries reaches India, what do you think the priests on the ground do with it? What do you think? Well, they will educate the poor that they have been, they, they've come here to uh, convert them. Education is given where they, are indoctrinate, where they indoctrinate these weak people, not with real education, but with the concept of what the priest and the mullahs and tullahs do in India. The West is bad, white people have no values, no culture, no ethics, immoral people. We should not be influenced by the West. The money is being given by the West. They're taking it by these padris and pandits and mullahs and tullahs, and they're doing exactly the opposite of what they, they tell the, the Canadian money givers or the charity donors to do. Okay? Um, and they keep telling the, the locals on the ground, who the Dalits, oh, we have our own culture. And you ask them, but what constitutes our culture? Well, our Indian culture, of course, comes the reply. If you ask me to convert to a Western religion away from my native culture, my native religion, or my philosophies that say all Hindus will go to hell, as they will not attain salvation for not believing Jesus Christ and, and Allah, then run around the bush at the same side and you say, we must keep our culture and not follow the West. You're not making any sense. One side you say the West is bad, one side you say Hindus are bad because of Dalits. What do you want? You just want to colonize someone's mind and use them when they're weak? Well, that's what many other charity organizations are doing. They take money from the West to help poor Indians as if the world depended on them, 
then they take these sums of money and indoctrinate poor ignorant Hindus that the West are the scums of the world. Go figure, my friends. That's what you call Abrahamic slime. I apologize for that. I apologize for the bad language. But look, um, as someone in the next question, I'm absolutely ashamed and, and disgraced by this. So I have to say it. What they will not tell you is that Christians themselves have been leaving Christianity, Muslims leaving Islam. With, within 150 years, if they do not proselytize, Christianity is over in India. And in about four or five hundred years, Islam is over in India. Christians who are born into Christian colonized homes are leaving, totally disenchanted with the religion uh, or rather the regime. Uh, of Christianity that runs our lives and keeps us dependent on their, on their ideological prison for now 500 years. We are prisoners of a dying feudal empire. They who imprison us for only one reason, that of feeding and supplementing their sadistic habits of theocratic feudal lords who run an elitist authoritarian regime. This is something the so-called Dalit Network will not tell you. So the next time Canada and the West want to give money to these so-called foreign organizations to evangelize poor people on the other side of the world, I say keep your money. It will do your pockets a lot of good. Don't give these charity organizations money because it's not going to proselytize. It's going to brainwash them to hate the West and make them fools. If the world wants to help India get rid of their feudal menace, known under the Latin word caste and the Hebrew word Dalit, and change the status quo, maybe they should ch tell their Abrahamic religions and their hordes of Christian evangelists and Muslim brotherhoods to butt off our way. Stop trying to, spoke your, uh, to put a spoke in our wheel from reclaiming our heritage and our source, then we will really believe you that you care about feudal lineages. Proselytizing and virtue signaling is not going to work anymore. So you see where it comes from, the concept of caste. You see where it comes from, the concept of Dalit. It's overflown in the, uh, on the Indian subcontinent. And we are forced to take... Um, we are forced to take... Um, um, a you know... Um, pr uh, to take coverage for this, we are obligated to say, oh, well, now it's yours and it's not ours. We are so pure. We are so perfect. It's all Hindu. It's all Hindu. We have to clean up their slime that they left behind. It's like when you go to the toilet, you do not pull the flush and you leave and someone else has to come in and, and take over from you. Then he has to clear the, pull the flush and then afterwards he has to, you know, use the toilet himself. This is what Abrahamic invaders have done to the Indian subcontinent. Well, guess what? We're standing up and we're going to clean it because you left it over. Don't worry, we'll clean it. Not a problem, but we will be happy to give it back to you. Okay, so that's very important to understand. Now, when the Dalit concept, when the you know for thousands of years, when people overflowed into the Indian subcontinent. And um, the Hebrews at that point, about 3,000 years ago, um, institutionalized the concept of, of someone who was poor. I mean, someone who did not uh, who al align with them, who did not uh, adhere to their policies. Um, when he, they came over and 
to the Indian subcontinent and converted it into the lands, in the image of the lands they left behind, without knowing this Dalit then became poverty in India. It became untouchables. And in India, we have what is known as uh, leprosy colonies and people where these Dalits would live and they were not allowed they were not allowed to, uh, you know, mingle with the people. Uh, they were not allowed to to con to to do commerce with the people, uh, to engage in commerce, education, uh, villages, and we got untouchability in India. So you would come to a point where untouchability in India meant uh, people would not walk on the same street side of the street as you did because that was untouchable. They were untouchable. So you couldn't drink from the same well, you couldn't wash water the same clothes, you couldn't, there were so many things you couldn't do. But all of this is mentalities that had not native to the Indian subcontinent. It comes from the concept of impure or poor from the Semitic root. Um, starting with the Phoenicians or maybe even before, absolutely before, but institutionalized by Abrahamic religions, that is the Hebrew. So this has to do with the fault line uh, in, the, in the Middle East, in the Levant. And because of this, the people who pass through this, they're always um, under the, on the fine mag magnifying glass of pandemics and, and volcanic eruptions and seismic activity. Um, and that... From there onwards, you get um, what is known as um, people who are unclean, people who are impure. And in, the, in, in those days, we were told very clearly, they were told very clearly, you're, you're, you are a sinner, you, you know, God has punished you. We still say that today, but this is the source of where it comes from. So today when you get sick, people say oh god punish you and this is what happens in in asia god punished you god sent you to hell you were not right with god um and you were just you'll be chastised you'll be degraded you'll be insulted and it's the same thing that happened then and that concept in the old world was called um untouchability or, or kufr so pagans dalit uh kufr najas We'll go more into it um, in tomorrow's episode, but just to give you a brief idea that this is where the concept of untouchability came from. So untouchability was not some Indian concept or a Vedic concept. Um, it absolutely was an overflow from um, the fault line of the Levant. Um, I will just briefly touch on something called uh, leprosy colonies. I've already spoken about this in previous episodes, COVID or Mecca. So when someone was sick, uh, they had encampments uh, on the outskirts of the city, away from the trade routes. Those encampments meant only one thing. Uh, people who were sick would be sent there, and people, uh, the entire tribes were sent there because they did not want to get contaminated. Very much like we do today, if, if someone gets COVID and, and everyone, anyone who he has come in contact with has to self-isolate. So this was their way of self-isolation uh, in these encampments. In English, they're called leprosy colonies. You can see them. You can go to any Roman movie and you can see them. In Hebrew, these, these colonies were called Makkas. And to flee these Makkas, they came to the Indian subcontinent. But you cannot change a mentality tomorrow. So 
it takes generations to change a mentality. It takes a lot of knowledge to change a mentality. But when the influx from the Indian, from the Middle East was so enormous, guess what happened? They, they, they outnumbered the locals on the land. And at one point, they would not have been able to take the overflow and, and give them a new way of life, give them an ideology, give them the knowledge. And they sort of, they, um, they became a majority, and this, these people who inherited um, our, our lands from our ancestors rebranded this the Indian subcontinent into the image of the lands they left behind. And so we got untouchability on the Indian subcontinent. We had these untouchable areas and, uh, and, and leprosy colonies and all the stigma around un in untouchability. 3,000 years later, no one remembers. 3,000 years later, we think that untouchability is Hindu. And it has to be told, this is Abrahamic in all its flair. Um, please talk about it. Please research about it. Speak to it with your friends and your family. And I will come back tomorrow and we will talk about this again. It is important. And um, we need to get to the root of this problem. The, the root of what this what caused this uh, and how we can change the mentality uh, because that's most important uh, changing the mentality and go on from there thank you so much for your time um, for listening to me and i hope that this has given you some insight i will see you tomorrow i will um, if you have any questions religions regimes refugees at outlook.com i am on facebook uh, and you may you're very welcome to write to me at that point. Thank you so much. You have yourself a great evening. Uh, cheers and good night.